0: Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today we are covering 2 Samuel 17, 18, Psalms 144, and 1 Corinthians 12. And we are Kingdom.Think where we are reading the Bible in one year, a little bit at a time, so we can wake up our spirit, our soul, and our mind, and we can wake up from this little daze and this zombiness that the world has put us in so that we can remember who we really are, because you are royalty. You are the sons and daughters of a king, and we are from a kingdom here on this earth to fulfill something, to discover our purpose, right? And one of the best ways to discover our purpose is to continue to stay in the Bible, not just because we're reading interesting stories or because we're reading stories that maybe give us a motivational lesson, not because of that, but because reading the Bible itself is a is a text that has spiritual power mysteriously embedded in it that speaks to our spirit, wakes up our, our soul in a way that nothing else can. So I just want us to always remember why we're doing this. It's like, okay, that's an interesting story. We're not reading the Bible or even listening to this talk simply because, okay, well, I can check that off my to-do list. We're doing it so that we can wake up our spirit. You can remember who you are. You can get in line with your true identity, your true identity and why you're here on this earth. And you're the king, the king's children. So you deserve a certain, um, royalty, but we don't know that. So we don't know how to attain it because we didn't even know we were royalty, um, Okay, so here we are. We're gonna talk about the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the spirit. And I love how, now always remember that we are in Corinthians. He's talking about a young church, a young group of people. They were pagans before. They used to worship idols. And he's talking to them after they've been um, Christ followers for a few years. And they're kind of like those that are more spiritual are more boastful or puffed up. Um, There's a lot of division. And he's trying to like, teach them, grow them, and to be a more mature church. So he's trying to develop the church right here. Not easy, right? So he's going to teach them about the Spirit. So there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and everyone is the same God at work. So here we go, now with the gifts of the Spirit. Um, To one, there is given... Through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by this one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking um, in different kinds of tongues. And still, to the other, interpreting. Of tongues, all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. So there's prophecy. So let's kind of there's the um, the wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of miraculous powers, the gift of prophecy, the gift of distinguishing spirits, good spirits from evil spirits, and sp- the gift of speaking in different tongues. And the gift of interpreting those different tongues. Those are all the different gifts. Um, Now remember, his whole purpose is to unite the body. So we're moving down into chapter 12, where he talks about how we are all part of the body of Christ. Kind of like the human body, how there's a hand, an arm, and an ear, and an eye. One doesn't say, you're not part of the body. You're very much part of the body and just as important as anybody else. And that's how we are in the body of Christ. Beautiful how he's illustrating that. Um, If one part suffers, every part suffers. That's verse 26. Then we're moving on to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church first all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues isn't that cool? And at the very end verse 31 it says now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So we can access all these gifts. We have all these available to us. So when we were when I'm talking about your identity, that you are royalty because of you are part of the body of Christ, the king, you have these gifts, miracles, teaching, prophecy, apostle, healing, helping, guiding um You have access to all these things. Now, some people are gifted more in one area than another, but you can pursue them. um, The gift of prophecy and faith and healing and miraculous powers, distinguishing spirits, tongues, interpreting tongues, wisdom, knowledge, all those are gifts that you want to pursue. Pretty cool, right? Um, So he wants to teach the the people of the corinthians that they have this but he also has to do it in a very humble way so that they don't become too puffed up so that's why he explained to them we're all part of the body of christ just because you are have maybe more knowledge doesn't make you greater than someone else who has the gift of faith where you would think somebody with faith is a simpler gift than somebody with powerful apostolic talents nope they all play a role in the body of Christ. Cool, right? Um, okay, so Psalms 144, this is David, probably still in the cave, and he says, praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains, right? I'm at 144. I don't want to get mixed up. Nope. Okay, praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He is my loving God in my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues people under me. Lord, what are human beings that you care that you care for them, mere mortals that you think of them? Isn't that cool? They are like a breath; their days are like the fleeting shadows. Part your heavens, Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they may they smoke. Send forth lightning and scatter the enemy. Shoot your arrows and rout them. Reach down your hand from on high. Deliver me and rescue me from the mighty wet waters, from the hands of the foreigners whose mouths are full of lies, whose right hands are deceitful. I will sing a new song to you, my God, on the 10 string lyre. I will make music to you, to the one who gives victory, to the kings who delivers his servants. And it goes on a little bit further, but it's just, he's just a great writer, King David. Well, at the time, if he's in still in a cave, he's not a king yet. He's hiding from Saul. Ironically, we read the Psalms where he's hiding from Saul, and we move over here to Samuel, for 2 Samuel. And now he's literally hiding from his son, Absalom. I'll never understand this part. Okay, I can't say never. Maybe one day when I read this in the future years, it will make sense to me why he was so afraid of his son. Literally, he's defeating all the armies everywhere else, all the enemies, easily. God is on his side he, God shows favor on him, and yet he's afraid of his son? Sounds like King David needs some counseling. I don't understand it. Um, so on chapter 17, what is Absalom doing? Oh, you'll just have to read it. He's trying to attack David. So now he's going to go out and try to kill King David. And he's asking his advisor. The first advisor, Æthilopel, fell. Ahithopel, one of the advisors, who told him to sleep with the concubines. So that wasn't um, King David's spy who said that. It was the uh, other guy, bad guy. And then he gives Absalom some advice on how to go attack the king. But then Absalom says, well, let me ask the other advisor. So he called in Hushai, who's the spy of King David, asked him for his advice. He gives him Absalom advice. And then he's and so Absalom's like, "Yep, yeah, that's good advice. I'm gonna follow his uh, his advice instead, instead of the other guy." So the King David spy sends word out: Go tell King David that this is what the one advisor said. This is what I said, and this is what Absalom's gonna do. So that way, King David was more prepared. Well, when the first advisor, his name again, I'll try to pronounce. Uh, Hithopel found out that Absalom did not take his advice and he took the other guy's advice. Do you know what he did? He literally went to his house and hung himself. I don't know why. Makes no sense to me. But that's what he did. And that was the end of um, chapter 17, right? Yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, now we're going to go on to chapter, right? We're doing 18? Yes, now we're going to move on to chapter 18. Chapter 18 is so solemn and odd because we know, see, we're irritated with Absalom, right? We're Although he had vengeance and he um, he killed his brother for raping his sister, that was like most of us would say, well, hey, you know, that he had, you can understand, But why he's trying to take the kingdom away from his father, nobody understands. I don't understand. Well, in chapter 18, Absalom dies. He's in this battle. And King David wants to march out against them also. But Joab, who's the head military guy, says, No, no, you stay back because they'll come after you for sure. If we run, they'll still just go after you. So King David stayed behind and he told Joab, Be gentle with the young man, Absalom, for my sake. So when Absalom was riding his donkey, his hair got caught in an oak tree and the donkey took off running and he was stuck in this tree. So he's hanging from a tree. And when someone came and told Joab that he was hanging from a tree, Joab went over there, stuck a spear right in his heart, and then his his, uh, armor bearers killed him. So they killed Absalom and then they buried him. Oh my goodness. And Absalom um, apparently didn't have any sons. It mentions that. But then the very, chapter 18 feels like a long chapter because the very end is just David finding out that his son is dead and he's devastated, even though his son is causing all these problems. At the very end of chapter 18, it says, the king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son. Oh, so devastating. Even though his son was betraying him, he just loved, a parent will always love their child no matter what and that's just an amazing illustration of king david even if your child betrays you you still love them no matter what so that was second samuel 17:18 psalms 144 and first 1 corinthians 12 have a beautiful day everyone